welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is part four of The Wilderwood, an original work co-written for you by Daniel Hines and Joseph Montebello. The Wilderwood is a fantasy serial, which means that it's a really long story, so there will be a new episode every other week all summer long. Check out parts one through three if you haven't already. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Sophie and her family in Topeka, Penny and PJ and their family in San Francisco, Theo and Anna and their family in East Hampton, Massachusetts, Sam and Nora and their family in Holiday, Utah, and Harper and Juniper and their family in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Thank you so much, Juniper, Harper, Nora, Sam, Anna, Theo, PJ, Penny, and Sophie. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and get every episode ad-free, head over to patreon.com stories and join for just $1 a month. If you'd like access to all of our ebooks or to receive a thank you in a future episode, that's also available at patreon.com stories. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Stories Podcast. If you send us a drawing of your favorite scene or character, we'll share it on our feed. Now here's a word from our sponsors. Thanks! Enjoy the episode! Really quick before we start, just in case you needed a refresher, the Wilderwood is an endless forest filled with life, magic, and amazing things to see. Our heroes, Harks, Nezzy, and Lachlan, have come to the city of Edgewater, just inside the Wilderwood. When we last saw them, they were in the town hall, where powerful wizards and fierce warriors are meeting to decide what is to be done with a mysterious, powerful book inside a red coffer. But just as the coffer is opened, a huge pitworm and a horde of magical branch creatures called Dross attack. What dark powers caused the attack? How will Nezzy and her friends keep each other safe in the chaos? And what power does the book hold? To find out, let's get back to the story. The Wilderwood, Chapter 4 The world was breaking. The horrible dead branch creatures known as the Dross were swarming, and Nezzy was frozen in place, even as her mind flew in a thousand different directions. Charge! bellowed Hordenir, cutting through Nezzy's thoughts. A troop of axemen poured in through the scattered walls of the dome. They met the dross all over, steel and wood screaming and shattering in every direction. Nezzy stumbled through the chaos. She saw Harks trying to light her hands on fire, saw Lachlan level his sword at one dross, only to be swarmed by a dozen others. They wove their limbs into the joints of his armor and stretched out tendrils of pale grubworm ivy. The squire started to panic and shout until Harks and Nezzy stumbled to his side, pulling him free. What do we do? Nezzy shrieked, the dross surrounding them. I don't know, Hark said back, her eyes wild with fire. An uncontrollable laugh bubbled from her throat. I don't know. Nezzy couldn't seem to draw a breath. The world was madness around her. She struggled to focus, trying to ignore Lachlan's curses and Hark's wild laughter. Her eyes scanned wildly for Shelsani and found her in the middle of the chaos. The druidess raised her arms, calling up magical roots from beneath the floor. 
They burst through the wreckage and tangled around the dross, pinning them down or tearing them into splinters, but more of them kept tumbling in from the broken dome. Gorson and Sir Ranseer and Carathane and the rest battled nearby, like solid rocks in the rapids of dross and fleeing people. Then, a loud and terrible laughter. The hole the pitworm had burst from crumbled wider, suddenly awash in a fiery pink. That strange magic cast unnaturally long shadows, and those shadows came to sudden, violent life. One strand of darkness coiled about a frosker guard and whiplashed him out a window. Another pooled beneath three axemen and seemed to swallow them whole. The wormhole tumbled wide and Nezzy couldn't help but scream when two giant, evil-looking trolls pulled themselves up and charged into battle, met immediately by Gorson and Carathane. The laughter continued and the pink grew brighter and brighter, a giant ball of electric inferno. It floated easy as a scream and touched down on the ruins of the stage. Two others stomped up after, hulking shadows in the too bright glow of magic. Enough, boomed a voice, and a terrible human figure took shape in the heart of the pink fireball. Give me the book. The dross paused, quivering. The trolls, too, froze in place, their giant clubs in mid-swing. For a moment, everything was still. Nezzy drew a deep and shaky breath, watching Shelsani and the others as they gathered together before the stage. Never, Shelsani said, and Nezzy felt a deep pride in her heart. The archdruidess spread her arms and the world seemed to bloom to life around her, green and glowing, pushing back against the pink and shadow. Nezzy felt her reach down into the Wilderwood and grab the power there, and for a moment, she tasted it in her blood. A vast and wild magic, and she pulled away before it could swallow her whole. Shelsani embraced it, though, and Nezzy marveled at the strength of her mother. I don't know how you found us, but your magic is no match for ours. Or have you forgotten, warlock? She spat the last word, making it an insult. The dark figure at the heart of the fire only laughed. No, witch, I haven't forgotten. He rose into the air, a white-smiled shadow. I've made friends. A woman's voice called from the darkness. Garson, you dog! I'd have killed you last time, but no one would have cared. Now you're Gorson the Great, Gorson the Grave. I'll be known across the seas and the realms when I nail your shield atop my mainsail. <laughs> Nezzy gasped as a woman stomped forward, twisted with unnatural muscle and etched with moving tattoos. She wore an eye patch and one of her hands was gone, replaced by a long, cutlass sword. Gorson strode forward with a laugh. There are no squid birds to save you this time, Captain Thalus. He ducked the hand axe she threw, then sprang forward to attack the pirate sword to sword. And me, Carathane, said the other figure, sliding from the dark. Nezzy was shocked to see a boy not much older than herself. He wore a monk's loose linen pants, a rune painted on his chest. I won't be cast aside again. 
Carathane roared, stomped a foot, and charged at the boy, even as his arms turned to pillars of stony earth. They began to hammer at each other, their every blow shaking the room. Shalsani and Babadin met eyes and turned together, their magic leaping. The wizard conjured fists of blue fire to hammer at the pink, and Shalsani met every dark tendril with a bloom of green. The warlock growled and rose higher into the air, Babadin floating after him and Shalsani rising on a flash-grown tree. The trolls unfroze, smashing into the axemen, and the dross surged into the holes. Harks was watching Babadin intently, her hands bursting into flame. Lachlan had his sword drawn and was watching the dross, so only Nezzy saw what Sir Ranseer did next. The knight rushed to Gorson, and the warrior nodded, happy to have help against the pirate and trolls and masses of dross. He moved to put Ranseer behind him so they couldn't be surrounded. Smart, Nezzy thought, and that's when Sir Ranseer, the holy paladin of the sacred gauntlet, stabbed Gorson in the back. The blade slid free and Gorson slumped forward, Ranseer pulling the shell pack off him even as he fell. Gorson snarled, clutching his wound. He tried to speak, but one of the branchmen shoved an arm in his mouth, cutting him off. Sir Ranseer walked toward the dark warlock, who was still locked in a magical battle with Shalsani and Babadin. The dross who stood in the way moved aside for him. No! shrieked Nezzy, pulling at Harks and Lachlan. No! What is he doing? The warlock smiled, hands tightened to fists as he focused, and a beam of pink fire and black shadow twisted down toward Shalsani. Babadin spread his arms and a fiery hand appeared, catching the dark magic, while Shalsani held her staff high. She called out a spell and the moon's light seemed to focus on the warlock, bathing him in dazzling silver and raising clouds of ghostly smoke from his body. He faltered for a moment and Babadin's magic hand pushed up, driving the fire toward the warlock, who was still surrounded by his fiery ball. Nezzy felt a moment of hope and then Sir Ranseer was there again. His shield looked just like Lachlan's, gleaming steel edges around a circle of white wood with a red fist painted in the middle of it. Nezzy watched as Ranseer charged, his shield burning with the holy light of Orlam, and he used it to hammer Shalsani in the back. She cried out and fell to her knees, her magic falling with her. Bobadin, suddenly on his own, threw up both hands, bellowing as raw blue magic ripped through him. His robe split, his pointed hat exploded, and a pillar of power vaulted up like an angry dragon. But it wasn't enough. The warlock's sinister fire bloomed, his shadows deepened, and his twisting beam of power drove through the blue like a shark and detonated, throwing Bobadin and Shalsani into the dross. No! Nezzy started to scream. But then Harks was there, slapping her hand over Nezzy's mouth. Lachlan sat up behind them, still in a daze. Where's Ranseer? Nezzy blanched, remembering the night stabbing through Gorson. She turned away from Lachlan, worried that if she met his eyes, the truth would all come tumbling out of her mouth. Shush, Harks hissed. Shalsani and Babadin were down. Gorson, Carathane, and Hordenir were tossed next to them in a heap.
Nezi, was terrified. She turned to her friends. Should we get help? She asked in a whisper. Lachlan shook his head. Get real, Nezi. Who could help them? They're the ones people call for help. Harks clenched her fists. We have to do something. We're the only ones left who can do anything. But none of them moved. Outside, Nezi heard another terrible crash and the earth shook once more. Through the wreckage of the walls, she could see Edgewater was in flames, swarmed with dross, at least two more giant pitworms crashing through the trees. No one's coming, she realized. Harks is right. We need to help. But she couldn't move, no more than Harks had. The warlock was radiating a hatred, a dark spell of fear like guilt and sickness, and they weren't strong enough to fight it. The warlock stopped in front of the trapped heroes. So fall the wise and the mighty. You claimed power in the names of your people, but power can only be claimed with power. He smiled, and Sir Ranseer emerged from the dross. Yes! hissed Lachlan. Nothing can stop a paladin's righteous charge. He'll save them. Nezzy felt tears sting at her eyes as Sir Ranseer strode through the fire and wreckage, past the dross and the pirate and the monk, and came face to face with the warlock. My lord, he said, sinking to his knees. It is done. Lachlan's face twisted. He screamed something to his master, but it was lost in the chaos. Ranseer held up the red coffer, stolen from Gorson's shell pack. It seemed to pulse and flicker with light. It reminded Nezzy of some wild prey, heart hammering from the hunt. Why? muttered Lachlan, looking more like a frightened child than Nezzy would have believed possible. He planned it all along, hissed Harks. He got us to unlock it, and now they have it. Well done, said the warlock, taking the coffer, and the box disappeared into his ball of pink fire and shadow. Now to give the heroes of the realm a fitting end. His shadows spread like a sickness, lashing themselves over Shalsani and the others, even as they started to wake. Bobadin started a spell and was smothered. Gorson wrestled one arm free and then was swallowed in tar. Shalsani alone was free to speak, the shadows dripping up her legs and chest like a candle burning in reverse. I've traced the roots of time and seen their seeds come to fruition. We won't die today, warlock. She still held her staff, and though the darkness was flowing now over her elbow, her hand was still free. She opened her fingers and let the staff slide down until it touched the ground. When it did, the base of the staff sank directly into the stone floor beneath her, pushing back the shadow. Moss spread from it in gentle ripples, covering the floor of the ruined hall. Her staff took root and sprouted a single branch. No! the warlock bellowed, tentacles of shadow pushed away in the green glow of her power. He growled and the darkness returned, but it was too late. A roll of thunder, a hiss of rain, the scent of spring, and Shalsani and the other heroes started to glow a gentle green.
It peeled away the shadows and coated them in a bed of moss. Their skin deepened and turned to tree bark, thick and gnarled. The warlock screamed again, Rancier cursed, and Nezzy gasped. She'd heard of this spell. It was called the supplanting, but why would Shelsani cast it now? The hero's transformation continued. The bark hardened and burled and knotted, sprouting branches here and there. In the space of a breath, Nezzy saw Shelsani, Bobadin, Gorson, Carathane, and Hordanir frozen into trees, their roots all tangled together in the rubbled dirt. Blasted nature magic, Rancier spat. He lunged forward in a rage and swung his sword at the tree that had been the archdruidess, his blade surrounded with the burning light of Orlum. The sword whistled down like a fury, but bounced harmlessly off one of Shelsani's branches, each hack rasping like steel on stone. The pirate grabbed an axe from the floor and went to help, but the warlock stopped her. Leave them. They can't be harmed, but I know that spell. They're no more than living statues. We have what we came for. The warlock's fire burned pink and bright, his shadows blacker than ever, and he turned and floated back to his tunnel and out of the broken hall. His minions followed, Sir Rancier last of all, casting one last look at his former friends before disappearing into the black. Immediately, the tunnel filled up with thick shadows which hardened into stone, like a flow of lava cooling all at once. As soon as the warlock was gone, Nezzy felt the overwhelming sense of fear and panic subside, just a little. The fear spell was gone, but her own natural fear was very much alive. She turned and saw Lachlan, his eyes wide and innocent, staring at the place Sir Rancier had last stood. He looked stunned into a stupor, and Nezzy understood his pain. Harks, on the other hand, You miserable bugbears, she screamed. I'll burn you all into cinders. Get back here. She rushed to the hole, the shadow of the stone pitworm looming over her, but it was completely sealed. Embers, she said, slamming her hand on the ground, a fiery slap that singed her own robes. What now? The three friends looked at each other, then ran to the magical trees. Nezzy stood by the one that had been Shelsani and Harks by Bobadin. Lachlan muttered, Sir Rancer must be playing a trick on them. He's going undercover. Nezzy realized that he hadn't seen his master stab Gorson, but she didn't know how to tell him what had happened, so she said nothing. Instead, she kneeled at the foot of the Shelsani tree. Outside the chamber, she could see more fire, hear more screams of battle, but inside, they had a moment of peace. What do I do, mother? She whispered, tears cutting trails through the dirt on her face. Shalsani, you've been my teacher, my friend, my mom. Tell me, please, what do I do? She reached out and laid one hand on her mother's rough, bark cheek. Nazalia. She heard Shalsani's voice in her mind, like someone speaking at the other end of a long hallway. 
every word was labored like a last breath. The warlock. You must stop him before solstice. Go north into the Wilderwood. Find Asla. He will set your feet on the path. At the top of Shalsani's staff, the single branch it had sprouted trembled and cracked, falling to the ground. Nezi picked it up and heard her mother's voice again, fading away. Be brave, Nazalia, she said. I love you. To be continued. Today's story, Part 4 of The Wilderwood, was an original story co-written for you by Daniel Hines and Joseph Montebello and performed for you by me, Amanda Weldon. The Wilderwood is a fantasy serial, so there will be a new episode every other week all summer long. Tune in in two weeks for Part 5. If you would like to support Stories Podcast, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, get ad-free episodes and more at patreon.com stories, check out all of our merch available at storiespodcast.com shop, follow us on Instagram at storiespodcast, or simply tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening!